Good morning, good afternoon, everybody. Man, every time I hear that song, it just really just resonates with me. I mean, it's it's it just has so much purpose. And my next guest is is a big time champ on purpose. I mean, I'm telling you right now, uh, this next guest is I met at a awesome conference, by the way, awesome conference. Most of you guys have actually heard me talk about this conference. It was called Grow Your Business for God's Sake. This person right here has impacted my life just by a couple words. And that is purpose, okay? Our purpose in life is to help one another. And this guy has so much help in him. And I want to introduce him, Anthony Hart. Anthony Hart is a pastor. And I'm going to bring him up here, and then I'll introduce him while he's on stage. But I want to say, what's going on, Anthony? How you doing, buddy? Doing good, bro. Good to be here with you. Man, this is, uh, this is pretty exciting for me because, you know, not only not only do I feel like when I met you, it was a purpose for us to, to connect and get to know each other, but also, too, is, is you lead a, a pretty good ministry in Virginia Beach, right? It's uh, called the Greenbrier Community Church. Is, yep. that, is that correct? Yeah, we're actually in Chesapeake, but the way Hampton Roads here works, there's seven cities, and we just don't like to play well with each other. So you can <laughs> live in one and work in another, and it's really weird, but yeah. I live on the Virginia Beach Chesapeake line, man. And, and we were talking about your shirt. It's uh, it says, amen, amen, amen. And, and, and you say that in church quite a bit. Tell me a little bit of a uh, little story uh, about that shirt real quick. Um, so I don't know why it is. We all have things that we do, but every time I like would pray before the service or at the end of the sermon, I, I always say, amen, amen, and amen in a very uh, spiritual tone or whatever. So my wife saw this sweatshirt and this is what it was just said a man on it and she said that won't do so we have a friend in the in our neighborhood that put the second amen and the third amen on it so uh now it fits me and who i am uh, amen means let it be so so why wouldn't i want to say that three times like we we watered that down at the end of our prayers and we think it's just a a period amen is not a period in your prayer it's an exclamation point it is a complete release into god's hand and saying let it be so sorry i'm already man, that's no, no, dude, bring it out, man. That's what, that's why we're here. This is a conversation. This is just, this isn't a dialogue. This isn't something that we, we scripted. This is something that, you know, we're bringing to you real because we want you guys to see exactly what Anthony's about and what I'm about. You know, I mean, I think as we go down this journey, the biggest thing is, is, is we want to do it together. And so I want to go real quick. We're going to back up a little bit and I want to introduce you because first and foremost, I want to thank you for your service. There was Veterans Day last week and, you know, you're a Navy guy. So I wanted to first and foremost, thank you from the bottom of my heart for serving our country. So I just wanted to let you know that personally. So I thank you very much. Thank you for your support. It takes all of us. You know, and then also, too, what's really cool is, is you got three, three beautiful kids. You got a fifth grader, seventh grader, and ninth grader. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your fifth, seventh, and ninth grader? Oh, so we planned on the first one. That's my boy. I got my boy right off the bat. He is amazing, smart, the most kind son you'll ever meet in your life. Like this dude, he breaks me down every day. Like every meal we cook or, or buy or whatever, he finishes up with, thanks, dad, like, thank you for dinner. Like that's just in his heart. It is. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Like it's just who he is. Uh, thank you for everything. Just has such a genuine heart. 
Um, then I always tell everybody I prayed for patience and I got a daughter. And for some reason, I prayed for patience again, and I got another daughter. And I've never prayed for patience since because I've realized patience is the one thing you can pray for, but you got to pay for. Yeah, right. God just didn't give you this healthy dose of patience that you don't have to earn it. So um, with all the women in my home, I, I have tons of patience now. Uh, when I don't have it, I just walk outside and just remember all that I have to be patient for and walk back in. So. So I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate to have three uh, girls uh, and uh, a wife. So I, I'm, we're outnumbered. We're four to, four to two. So it's, I, I feel you. I feel you. You know, and as they get older, uh, they get harder because they start to challenge you. They start oh. to, you know, really just put that in. And, and we, we as, as leaders and as, as fathers, we have to make sure that we, we honor them and make sure that they're, they're strong, strong women. So um, you know, I had to realize it because I was raised in a home with only boys. I have a brother. Um, so I've never dealt with girls a lot. So, um, and I even had to learn this with my son is I don't want my kids to be me. I think I tried that early on. I wanted my son to play the sports I enjoyed. I wanted him to like the things I liked. And that was a huge struggle for him. And I had to probably about the age of 12 or 13, I realized I was putting a lot of pressure on him because I was trying to make his purpose mine. And I had to begin to talk to him like, bro, who are you? What do you want to do? I don't want you to do something because dad wants you to do it. I want you to find who you are and I want to do everything I can to help you. Now, one thing I have done is Morgan and I have put our kids in everything. We like to throw it all on the wall and see what sticks. Like I've told him, I'm not going to let you just not do anything. You're going to play an instrument. You're going to play sports. And in hopes that eventually you find the one thing you really want to do. And then I'm going to help you pursue it to the best of my ability. Um, but it was tough early on. I know for you, like my first one, I wanted him to be a baseball player. I wanted him to. And when he didn't, it like broke my heart. And God said, he's not you. And that's OK. You know, my kids are we were just talking about this yesterday. We went out to dinner with another couple and their kids. And we were really just talking about our kids mostly. But our kids are so vastly different. I mean, my oldest is is and, and, and she's going to be on my podcast soon. But I asked her a question and she goes, Dad, I want to get a job. I said, why do you want to get a job? And she goes, dad, she goes, because I want to be a great leader. And this wow. came out of her words and I've never said it to her. She goes, I want to be a great leader and I like nice things. So I got to let my, I got to make a lot of money. And if I, if I go out and be that leader and I work and I work hard, I'll get those nice things. And I, and it blew me away. And it was right in front of the, my, the couple that we were out to. And they they looked at me and they just melted. They're like, Oh my God. That 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 girl is going to be very successful in life, and so she is my mother hen. She takes care of everything. And then I got my crazy kid, the second Sienna, and she's just uh she she talks to everybody. She's she she loves everybody. She will talk to anybody, go up to anybody. And then I got my son, that's that sports nut, like and that way more than me. And I like sports, and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if he's going to be uh, good at sports. But then I transitioned to my youngest, and she's that. 16 month old right now that says daddy thank you thank you thank you so she's already giving thanks and i love that so i have four different kids and you know it's just very blessed to have them but i wanted to go into you know your wife you know your wife is like the the rock you know she is like the you know when i met morgan i mean you could just tell she was the the the, the glue that fit you and i read a post the other day that she posted and i wanted to I wanted to read this post and, and the reason why I wanted to read this post because it was so powerful because I always thought things were 50-50 and then this re this post really just retransitioned the way I think. So it says, it says, uh, 
you know, you all, it takes work. Every day is work. It's not 50-50, it's 100-100. I will follow you anywhere. And she dedicated that to you. And I thought that was very powerful because here's the thing is, is she loves you. She honors you. And she really, really is behind your back in everything. And I thought that was so powerful. So tell me, what makes your wife so powerful? And, uh, and, and I, this is a two-part question. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Tell me how powerful she is. And then at first, I want you to tell me the story of how you guys met. So you can do it in either or. But I want to I want to see this powerful story because I'm telling you right now, it's just when I read those words, it clicked and said, you know what? It isn't 50 50. You got to give 100 percent every single day to your relationship. Otherwise, you're lacking in relationships. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, well, I always call her and I, this was a realization I didn't come to until well into our marriage. But she's my better half. Um, but I'll, I'm her better half. And I think that speaks to exactly what she posted the other day is we have to realize in marriage that we can't do it without one another. And we were all given this broken dynamic that we bring something to the team. And, but there are days that, that one of us has to carry a hundred. So if we don't come into the day, assuming that I got to bring a hundred, then we're going to be left behind and we're both going to be less than because of that. Um, she is not the one that's going to get in front of a camera. Although at the conference, she she is a worshiper. That girl can sing and uh, she has people around her that are pushing her because she's kind of the unassuming background singer. Uh, but as you notice at the conference, there's that moment that our buddy Jay just said, Morgan, sing. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, who is that? Uh, I often have moments where she sings. So I'll have my eyes closed during church and worship and she'll start singing and I have to open my eyes and like, whoa, who is that? Oh, that's my wife because she just steps into this different place. Um, but she's the one that's behind the scenes. Uh, she's the she website design, graphic designer. Uh, her and Tamara, she's Tamara's number two. I don't know if your people know Tamara Andrews, but uh, she does a lot of things behind the scenes that makes us good at what we do. And she can kind of fade into the substance sometimes, but she is such a powerhouse of support, uh, of belief, in me, um, she makes every morning I get up possible because I know she's by my side. And we don't have such a lustrous, uh, glamorous picture of where we came together. I actually met her in a nightclub here in Virginia Beach called Peabody's uh, in a season where I was sowing my wild oats and doing things that my parents probably wouldn't have been proud of. Um, and I remember the first time I saw her, I was we were there at a concert. And I seen her and I was actually standing beside her. She doesn't remember this, but I looked at her and just like gave her the, you know, when you're the guy in the club, just like the, the eyebrow and did a little bump with her butt. And, <laughs> and that was it. And I didn't see her again for a couple of years. And then uh, through a friend of hers and a friend of mine, they were dating. We all went out to the same nightclub and just to hang out with each other. And I met her that, that moment and kind of brought it all back. Fast forward through a whirlwind of dating for a bit, breaking up because I said I love you way too soon. <laughs> um, I was leaving on deployment in my uh, in my defense, and I, I knew what I wanted. And I was a little bit, I'm four years older than her, so I knew, I was at a place in my life where I knew what I wanted. She, however, was not. Um, but she realized later that I was what she wanted and came back. And it's been a story. I will tell you, our first year of marriage uh, was hell. Hell on earth. Uh, we were not in church. We were not doing the thing we did and we were trying to live that same lifestyle and it was a brokenness and we weren't bringing a hundred percent to the table and both of us were paying for it. 
Uh, so after a year, we said, we have to get back in the church, surround us with people who will support us, breathe life into us, and we can lean on for wisdom. And the moment that happened, it's been a life-changing experience that we continue to grow in. Uh, we did not arrive at that place overnight of being each other's best half, but it is today that we look at each other and realize that we can't do it without one another. You know, I, li- I, like, to, I like to lead with that story sometimes, especially when I meet the uh, significant other's wife, just because, you know... I can just tell that you have that passion and that love for her and that comfort. And I like to bring that out because what it does is it, it shows the, it shows the guests that are going to listen to this, that, you know, where we start in life doesn't mean where we stay. You know, we always grow as individuals, you know, and we, we grow through different trials and tribulations. But here's the thing is, is if, as long as we're growing together mm-hmm. and we have that journey, that's the part that gives us purpose. And that leads me right into this next question is, is what purpose in life do you feel that God gave you to do? Hmm. You know, I've got two or three over the last couple of years I've had, I don't know, if you're churchy and you, and uh, you've ever had anybody prophesy over you, there's, there's people who speak into your life and uh, I'm in firm belief that every one of us was created with a God-given purpose. If you believe in a creator, then why would he have just created you with no purpose at all? Just, well, I'm just going to create Ryan and hope that he does something good with his life. I believe that every one of us, God created intentionally. Like, I need Ryan to be in the earth. I need Anthony to be in the earth to do something. So then from the moment we take our first breath to the moment we start walking in purpose, it is a shedding of what's been done to us, shedding of um, how we see ourselves or whatever, how, what makes us feel good to walking into that place. And I'll use three words that have kind of been spoke over me. Pioneer is one. And that is the worst word ever to be spoken over you. Cause that means you're going to be doing things that nobody's done before you. And it's really awkward. And it puts you in moments where you can't depend on the people who helped you in the past to help you in the, that place. And it's a place where you really have to listen to God and say, okay, uh, I'm going to put you as a pastor of a small church on a stage with a bunch of millionaires. And I want you to talk about business. And I'm like, what? Okay, God, let's do this. Uh, it's silly things like that, that I've learned that I just have to sit just say yes. So my first purpose is I've learned is just to say yes. And I'm going to, God's going to open doors and put me in places that could be awkward, but I just let him use me. the second word. And I think this has been my most powerful purpose is uh, this word was one that I was really struggling as we were transitioning from one ministry to the next when God told us to start a, a home church. And it, this word was just birthed in me and it was bridge. And I look around our world, I look at the divisions that exist in our country, um, you know, from people of different colors, uh, from different genders, um, in our church worlds, different denominations, all the things. We have so much division in our world. And I think as I look at them, I can step into both spaces. I I found an amazing opportunity that God's presented me with to be able to speak to people from all walks of life. And it's through relationship, but a bridge truly doesn't exist on one side or the other. It coexists on both of them without being defined by either. So if you're a bridge from one side to the other, you're you're not defined by one side or the other. You are an entity that connects. So I've been able to to operate, you know, I've been invited into places, uh, churches of people of color to talk during some of our most uh, distant times. You noticed um, during the conference, kind of our tribe, our family, we call us, is a, a crazy mixture of people. 
And uh, God has just opened some doors for this white bread, cornbread eating backwoods boy from Arkansas to, to operate in places that are outside of my control. Um, the last one, and I, I really like this one. We were in a church here and I was preaching and this lady was in the audience afterwards come up to me and she goes, you know what? You're a jackhammer. Hmm. And I said, I received that 100% because God has given me this ability just to notice things that have been in place that are broken, that are, are limiting, that are holding us back. So anytime I find something that is limiting somebody, maybe it's somebody's got a chain on them, a generational curse where, well, this is just all I'll ever be because this is what my dad was. Man, I want to break that thing off you every way I can because I want to push you into your purpose. Uh, I was invited. We pastor a church here that had some old mindsets. And I come in and said, okay, that's not who we are. Let's change this thing. Let's break some of this ground up to get back to the foundation of Jesus and, and do all that. So it's weird and all those things. One's a building, one's a tearing down. But I think that's all together is trying to get back to the intention of God for everybody. And I, that's what I love to do. Dude, amen. That's the, that's exactly what I wanted, man. This is really good stuff here. This is why, you know, this podcast right here is going to really open some doors. I mean, our mission with the power of help people is just to help one person. I bet you that, I bet you that statement just helped a lot of people. And the reason why is because we do have to have purpose. So let's, let's dive in with that purpose. What made you take that next step to that conference that we just went to, Grow Your Business for God's Sake in Lexington, Kentucky, which, by the way, was I've been to thousands of different events, like little things, little things here in, this, in the 18 years that I've been doing business. But I'll tell you right now, this trip was the most impactful trip that I've ever had. And the reason why this was is because there was so many business people in the room, so many people that were just searching for who do I help? How do I help? What do I do? And it was just that that focus that I call it laser focus. You get in a room and you're just like here for a purpose and that purpose is going to, to really impact millions of people. So tell me that little... What what made you make that next step to come into that that arena? Or I I, I don't even know if it was arena or if it was a, a I think it because it was where Kentucky plays. So yeah. you know, so it is a basketball arena, but it wasn't. We weren't in the arena, but I felt like we were in an arena because there were so many people. So yeah. tell me a little bit about that journey and how you made that next step to go there, and who told you to pre? Because you had a you had a sermon that first day. Yeah. And you were going to talk about it, and you just threw it out the window. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, at the conference, Glenn Lundy, who put it on, as um, uh, the speakers he invited, Danielle uh, Delgado, when she was speaking, said something that's really stuck with me. And it, it, and it will come back to this, because what she said was, at one point, as she was introducing Glenn to some people um, that were of that were famous and things like that. And he was kind of enamored by them. She came over to him and whispered into his ear, you're the asset. And that really stuck with me because I began to reevaluate that whole weekend. And that's why I was there because Tamara Andrus walked up to me and said, you're the asset. Like, because as a preacher, as a pastor, I, I haven't spoke at many conferences. We just had a men's conference the week before. We hear a friend of mine put on and asked me to speak at. So we can all become really invalidated in what we've done and where we've been. Um, you know, I was put into ministry 
before I ever went to seminary or Bible school or any of that, because uh, our pastor at the time said, hey, I see a calling in you and you need to go pursue it. But for this conference, you know, Tamara had put her own, was trying to put her own conference here together. And Glenn partnered with her and said, hey, why don't you just come and because uh, she hadn't put a huge conference on or anything like this. I said, why don't we just partner and do this together? Um, and I was one of her non-negotiables. I was one of the ones that she said, I'll do it, but I won't come if, and there was a group of us, but it really spoke volumes about my value that somebody saw me as an asset. And I couldn't put it in terms until I heard Danelle say that, that, wow, somebody saw me as an asset. So I walked in unapologetically, like I'm supposed to be here at that moment. Well, a lot of these people who were there, you know, Ryan, you were part of the clubhouse over the last year. A lot of them were connected and knew who each other were. Well, I was invited in the clubhouse earlier on in the year. And I don't, for some reason, I just never got in it. Looking back now, I'd love to have spent more time in it, but I feel like it was a God thing because I walked into that room not knowing anybody. So you could have had a dollar to your name. You could have had a billion dollars to your name. You were just a person to me. So in that moment, I just sought connection and relationship, which you'll find is my DNA to a fault. Like, I just want to know somebody. Like, I don't want to stand on a stage and preach at you. I would love to get to know you so I can preach into you. So I can present you with information that's going to help you where you're at to move forward. I don't want to just yell at you. There's a lot of people that preach at people just because they feel like people need to know it. Um, so I just begin to make connections with people. But that first day, when they put me up there on that panel, um, you know, there was a little discussion before we went out there with uh, Brian uh, yep. Hess, who you know is um, connected with, um, oh, yeah. Heather Garrity. So some of these larger names, and I'm like, I don't know why I'm here. And when we get up there, that was what they asked. Why are you here? Uh, and I said, to be honest with you, I don't know why I'm here. But I was asked by someone to come, and I've learned in my life that when God invites you into a space, you just go because he's already prepared you for it. So when I walked up to the day, Tamara began to ask questions and Glenn and just everything I was going to preach on Sunday. I preached in the first 25 minutes of the conference at that. I said, <laughs> okay, God, I don't know where we go from here, but uh, let's walk this thing out. So, yeah, I was there because somebody deemed me an asset. Somebody, because we all operate in the space of judging ourselves compared to others. It's like, is my voice big enough for that room? Is what I have to say valuable enough to the people that need to hear it? And it was amazing how many people come up to me after just that that first 25 minutes, that panel. I had a couple come up to me and say, I was only here for one day, but you were the reason I came. Wow. And it wow. was just a God moment to say to anybody in this room that feels like what you have is invaluable it's so much value. If God walks you through something, gives you something to say, he will orchestrate an audience for you to hear, for, for them to hear it. Wow. So don't ever doubt it when you're put in a place that you're not worthy to be there. If the door is open, walk through it unapologetically. Realize maybe you don't have all the answers. I've realized there's times that I walk in and the people that he surrounded me with can help me, my wife, Tamara, Ryan, the connections we make are all resources uh, to help me succeed in this season. But sometimes I've got to close a door to a past season because what I was in that past season will prevent me from being who I am now. Dude, I love it. And the thing is, is too, is, is I knew I knew probably about a dozen or so people at the conference just due to Clubhouse, but I didn't really dabble in Clubhouse as much as a lot of these guys. So when I made the connection, that it was kind of similar to you, is, is I was just 
letting God make sure that he took my feet and put me in the right direction. Because, you know, I was in the room with, you know, Glenn Lundy three or four times already. And I never really just went up and said hi. And I was in rooms with 40, 40 people and he was there and I just never went to him. But for some reason, this conference, something just drew to me to him with a story that I'll share later on in life. But, you know, it was just one of those impactful stories that it was just, wow, like, you know, it, it just pushed me. Same thing with you. I mean, when I met you, there was a reason for it. And and, and truly is, is, is it's it's one of those things that I knew that you had purpose for me. And, and I've learned so much from you in the last week that you don't even know about. So, you know, those are things that you have to be in the circle. And we, we always talk about a circle, you know, you know, surround yourself with good people, surround yourself with great people and let them really just pour into you and make you better. But here, here's the other thing too, is you gotta, you gotta learn to listen. And I listen so much. And so when I, when I hear you speak, I'm just like, wow, this person is exactly exactly who I want in my circle. And when I, and I want to tell you this morning is it's crazy. Cause you talk about Tamara. I I've never met Tamara in person. I, uh, you know, I took a picture with her at the event and said, hi, but I've never really met her in person till then. And she sent me a message this morning at eight 30 in the morning. It says was with the session collective last night. They are so grateful for you. I go help others in my mission in life is my number one thing. And she goes, it shows brother. She's already noticing. And, and, and when you, when she said you're an asset, she's a person that sees the asset in people. Because what we do is we want to lead. We want to help others. And it, we just love. And, and, and I, I use that word very, very, uh, you know, energetic. Like love is that is the number one word that I love. I want to pour into people. I want to love people. And I feel like you do the same. And your wife does the same, too. And, I mean, it's just very impactful. So let's let's jump back with that clubhouse thing, since everybody it's it's almost like a circle of how we got together and how we met. What do you think social media has an impact now for you, not only you and the church, but all of us business people out there? And how do you think it transitions into one? Because we had this conference and and I'll tell you right now, I've never seen so many people that are successful in a room that just want to pour into others, which is very nice. I mean, I even told you a story the other day. I mean, I cooked for my people. I prayed into my people. You know, I do that on a regular basis. I was blown away by that video um, of you out there just cooking breakfast for your for your people before they ever even showed up. Uh, I've been talking about that all week long to everybody I see, like, how are we challenging the, how are we serving the people who work for us and work around us. So, bro, I just want to say kudos. Your name was brought up several times in the session collective last night as we met because of your heart and the impact that you're making where you're at. Um, so it was a huge challenge to us to like going forward, what's the impact we're making? What's our purpose? So, Well, that, I mean, that's why we're talking. I mean, the, this, this is a big thing on purpose because the purpose is we have to have intentionality of everything we do. And what is our purpose in life? What do we want to do? That's why I led the question of, you know, you, you said, you know, you're, you're a pioneer, you're a bridge, you're a jackhammer. I'm in the construction field. So I look at it as like, I'm building, I'm building people every single day. I'm, 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 I want to build people. I want them to be the best version of themselves. And you know what? Sometimes you can't see the best version of yourself inside you. So you have to have others put that out in you. you so you step, You were on stage and you were preaching that Sunday and you said, Brian, you're a pastor. 
you lead, you do this, you do. And, and, and just opened me up. It opened me up to say, you know what? I am that person. So even me that pours into people every day, you brought that out of me. And I truly am blessed for that. So I really, I want to thank you first and foremost for that. And it's just an amazing thing to actually have somebody notice that thing, you know, where I, that's all I want to do is pour into people. So your purpose is to pioneer, to make bridges, to jackhammer and do all that stuff. But we have a social media that's out there right now that yeah. has so much impact that we could just, we could really just dive in and just really make an impact, especially with the way things are going nowadays. I mean, you see the, the brokenness. We talk about brokenness all the time. You know, you see people that are, you know, struggling on a day-to-day basis, myself included. I mean, I'm not perfect. I will let you guys know that, you know, I'm, I'm broken. I'm a person that comes from a broken background and I want to make sure that I get better and better. And there's so many other people out there, but tell me, tell me a little bit about, you know, how you see social media being an impact on people and really just making it to that next level. Um, this is such an, a, a key conversation because it's, when you say impact, there can be positive and negative impacts. And I think social media has such the weight to do both. If we aren't careful, um, you know, from our church perspective, since the pandemic, there was a season where we had to close our doors just for the question, you know, what, where we're at right now, but we were still able to proceed because of social media, um, still having the services online. And even now that we've come back, I think we've re- realized the value and the merit of doing and extending ourselves beyond the people who can be in the pews on a Sunday. Uh, just some of the relationships we made through the conference. I had three of those men, uh, two that I know of, but I think a third as well, in our service on Sunday online. And one of them reached out afterwards and said, who knew that I'd find my church states away, but I will be there every week. Like just those connections of hearts. And so social media does give us a crazy level of access around us. I use it as an example. We were kids growing up. When we went to play with our friends, we went outside and we played with the friends who lived on our block and we climbed the trees and do all that. Um, But now my son has a crazy expanded playground. Uh, we moved from one side of Virginia Beach back over to Chesapeake. So a lot of his friends are a ways away now, and he couldn't go outside and hang out with them if he wanted to. Uh, I had to hop in the car and drive him across t- two towns to get him the other side. He's on his Xbox, throws his headphones on, and they're on this virtual playground. But I hear him talking, and uh, he just opened up uh, last night about a girl he likes at his school. <laughs> and anyways, as we were talking, he, he said, yeah, my friends already know about it. So he's on there playing this game. We're like, oh, he's just playing Call of Duty again. But he's having life conversations with these buddies the same way we used to do climbing a tree with our friends. So the expanded access that we have uh, is so real. And we can either be threatened by it. The old population can say, you need to be outside running. And all that is is building a limited understanding of what this access we have. Because as we understand what we have access to, then we have to understand the impact that we have, that positive voice. Because you jump on Facebook, Instagram, and you can be presented with a very negative feel in more ways than one. There are people who just verbally attack people on there. It is such a bullying place because we're in a society now where you don't have to stand face to face with somebody and own up to what you say to somebody. Used to, you said something like some of the things we hear you get decked real quick. 
We didn't talk right. about people behind their back on social media. When I was growing up, you talked about them at school, you had a fight, and then that probably was going to be your best friend yeah. after the fight. But now there's no, rec- like you say something and it cuts somebody in the bone and you don't have to own up to it. Like we see constantly young kids committing suicide because of bullying via social media and all that. So there is a negative impact to it. Another negative impact is when we get on social media, Speak for that conference, for example, you being a businessman, it's easier for you to jump on Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse and start comparing yourself to people who are more successful than you, their lives. If they show you their their families and all the things and let's say you're struggling in your marriage, which I know you're not uh, listening to your stories of the love between you and your wife. I loved really even as me and my wife have a good marriage. You challenge me in some areas even. But it's easy for somebody who's struggling in life to get on there. And if you only see a person's Facebook reel, you only see the good things that are happening in life. You don't see their struggles. Then we start trying to chase down this dream that of perfection that is not real. Like, oh, my marriage is in shambles and it will never be, uh, it will never be the Lundy family. If you see all the kids, yeah. And the yeah. we can start yeah. We can never see Gary and Tamara. Like, because we see those Facebook reels. And if you don't have the cracks in there to understand that, it creates this unrealistic expectations on our life. And the moment that we fall slightly short of that, maybe we have an argument twice this week. Well, now I'll never be good. Now we're looking at divorce over something that could have been seriously handled very early on when we realize all of us have faults. Even as a pastor, I'm the first one to get up and I'm probably more open than most. And my wife shakes her head quite often at me when I'm <laughs> preaching. I'll just say things. I'm not, I'm not afraid to share my ups and downs, my ins and my outs, because I want somebody to have access to a God that's still helping me through my junk and my stuff. But I think where we have the power and true ability to use social media is exactly for who Jesus was. He brought life and purpose to the people he was around. He invited 12 guys. If you think about the disciples, they were 12 men that had been invalidated by society. In the Jewish culture, all boys went to school to be a rabbi from the moment they're big enough to walk. Then at some point, depending on after all of them had memorized the first four books of the Bible, they would base their ability to move on to the next step off what question you would inquire from those books. Not what you knew, but the way your mind worked and you questioned something. If you didn't succeed and go forward to be a rabbi, then you went and you pursued your father's occupation. So then rabbis, when they would get disciples, they would go to the temple where all the Jewish scholars were. Excuse me. And they would say these four words. Or three words, come follow me. So now we have Jesus who comes to earth as a rabbi. He doesn't go to the temple. He walks into father's businesses and grabs a hold of 12. They say that they were teenagers. They weren't men. They were teenagers and said to 12 men who thought they'd never hear these words in their life. They'd already said, you'll be nothing more than a fisherman, a tax collector, whatever. And Jesus says, come follow me. There's a reason they dropped everything they were doing and, and chased after him because it was a lifetime of expectation given to them in a moment. <clears throat> so I think exactly that. When we realize our purpose, our purpose is to speak purpose. Our purpose is to bring life where there's none. Our purpose is to bring light where there's none. I've recently preached a sermon series on First John, but 
Jesus or, or God as a whole is this. God is life. He is truth. He is light and he is love. And he can never be any one of those over. Like he is all of those at once. Now we struggle a lot because especially two of them, like truth and love. We want to be right sometimes, but we can't have love in those moments. You can be in an argument and be right and not be truth. Yeah. You know that as husbands, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but when you start operating like the way God calls you, like you realize if you have some truth, the only way you can give it to somebody is in love. But you also won't love somebody to a place where you can't give them truth. And it is such an opening moment. And I think it's what has to begin to change in social media is we have to understand that we can change the atmospheres of the room we walk into. We have the ability to be a thermostat or a thermometer. You can either come into a room and if it's a negative room, just become negative. And what you'll do is when you walk out of that, it changes how you respond to people. Or there's something so much about you that you know that I am chasing after the rabbi. That when I walk into a place, it won't change me. I may not change that room overnight. It may be some time. But if I know my temperature, I will just be there and slowly to begin to change the environment around. It's turning the light on. And I always say, be the light in the room. You know, it's like, you know, if you're the light in the room, people are drawn to you. People are, they want to see what's going on. So, you know, that's just, it's just a very, I mean, I'll be the first to honest. And my wife and I, I don't call it fighting. I call it bickering. We're like an old married couple. We just bicker. We've been together so long that we bicker back and forth. And to be honest with you, a lot of times I don't listen. So I got to check myself. And my wife knows this. And she knew I was talking about this. She'd be like, Ryan, stop it. Stop it. That's that That's that older woman. Like, you know, that that stop it, Ryan. You're, you're making, you, you know, you shouldn't be telling our dirty laundry. Well, guess what? We have some dirty laundry all the time. But guess what? I love that woman more than life itself. And so I'll tell you right now, I'll do anything. I will walk to the end of the earth and back just for that woman. And so that's what I feel like when you when you love someone and you have that purpose in that person's life, you have to do whatever it takes. And that means giving in a lot as a husband. That means admitting when you're wrong, which I do a lot. And that means doing life together, you know, not individually. Yeah. And, you know, I was I, another person I got to meet at the conference was uh, Marcus Ellis. And I, I got to jump on his podcast the other day, um, and he was talking about serving. <clears throat> and I said this, you know, we, we focus a lot of times on serving others. And we talk about this from social media and our jobs, all of that. But I think we fail sometimes at realizing that the people who should be easiest to serve are the ones that we neglect the most. Mm. And then we wonder why it's a struggle to serve people outside our homes. Mm. If you can't serve your spouse and you can't serve your kids, don't go out and try to serve somebody else because realistically you're doing it for the wrong motives. But when you serve the people that are closest to you, it creates a desire in you to serve others. It's, it becomes your DNA, your very nature. You're not doing something outside of your home and then coming in and changing who you are. Who you are at home in your most uh, vulnerable of moments is who you are, whether you like it or not. You can put a facade on outside of your home, but your, your wife, your kids, they know who what you look like in your knickers. <laughs> they know <laughs> the right you've been trying to hide or that uh, whatever it is. Um, they know who you are. 
So Dude, I, that is that's so powerful. I mean, I, I hope people just resonated. I hope that I hope that sunk sunk in because a lot of us, especially with on social media, is we're the first one to say, you know, oh yeah, everything's great, blah blah. But meanwhile, you have a failed marriage at home. Your your marriage is going to crumble, and you're holding on for dear life. And you're out there making it like you're the best person in the world. You're the best husband, the best this. So, dude, what a great inspirational thing you just said. My next question is going to be a very powerful one. And I, and I thought about it this for probably since the conference. And it says, I'm going to name three names. I want you to name one word for each name. Okay. Okay. And, and this is this is a little exercise that I just started, and I figured maybe I'll just start doing this. It's almost like the Jay Leno where he asks, like, the questions, and you just give one word. So there's going to be... Three, actually, I'm going to do four today. I'm going to do four. So the first person is Martin Luther King. Name one word. Ooh. Bridge. Wow. Okay. John F. Kennedy. Hmm. It would be two words, but too short. Dude, yeah, I love that. Too short is right, man. Too short. Next one's Glenn Lundy. Um, door opener. Mm, love it. The last one's going to be the best one for me. Anthony Hart. Hmm. Empowering. Wow. The reason why I do this ex uh, exercise is because I just put your name in with Glenn Lundy, John F. Kennedy, and Martin Luther King. What makes you any less than them you know i look at, i look at it like you're the asset you're the person that's going to go out you're the person that's going to change and impact and empower people that is what life's about yeah and i and i look at that and, and i and i see this is, is i see all of us as humans if we can go out and empower people we can embrace the love we can we can we can just pour into others and we have a purpose and intentionality when we do that. That is the most powerful thing that we can ever do as human beings in this world. Not the negative, not the not the naysayers, not the I, I'm going to talk about this person. I'm going to talk about this. Pour love into people. Share your wisdom. And 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 I and I and I've told you this a couple times. I think when we talked is is wisdom is a is a is a a word that people you know really just think oh old. Oh, this person's had so much. They they have so much wisdom because they've been around for so long. But I, I told you this the other day is, is I see more wisdom in this young generation, these young kids, because we're going to start empowering them and, and start doing some intentionality into them because that's a new generation that's coming up. And I really, truly think that if we're going to impact the world, we have to start with the youth. Yeah. And that starts yeah. with our kids. So go ahead. Tell me, tell me how, what you think of that. Cause I know you have an answer or something at least to talk about that, but that's, that's my true vision on what we're, what we're going to be doing here. Yeah. I mean, to be put on a, effectively a stage with those three names, um, you know, I, I thoroughly in the, in the season we're in our country, uh, I embrace Martin Luther King and what he came to do. And I think we've even, uh, warped what he came to do. He had such a heart of God. Like mm. everything he talked about was unity, unity, unity. And then mm. we used him to cause division. I, I I would follow that man to the ends of the earth. And I know he was, you know, you hear the things about him being fouled in some areas and making mistakes as we all do as a pastor, 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 you know, I, I, I would, I've made mistakes too, but 
I would follow that man's heart and what he sought to do and undo in this nation because he had such a passion to do it for the Lord. Mm. Like there was never a do it or do it with Jesus. Like everything he did was because of Jesus. There was a love mm. and a grace and a mercy um, that he used to approach people regardless of what color of skin you were um, and do it with such a grace but changing mindsets in that very moment, challenging some very aggressive agendas, uh, coming against those in battle, but doing with just the grace. Um, yeah. So to even be mentioned in the same breath as him, I don't find myself that worthy, but I am learning that it is, you know, when I say empowering me, it's not like, oh, he's calling himself powerful. No, it is all about mm. I want to give everything that I have that may not have been powerful to me to present somebody a chance to not have to walk through the battles and the struggles that I had to go through. Like one of the big, that word across your chest, bro, has been one that's, it's just resonated with me since the day I retired from the military. Um, I, when I speak, I, I write notes down, but I don't, I don't like to lock myself in a box. So if you ever see my notes, uh, if you're, uh, had a guy speaking with me on Sunday this week and my notes are kind of just a dive into my brain, which is, is it like this? Is it like this? It's all just yes. jumbled. All that's, dude, that's how I am. Sometimes I may have three <laughs> words on a page and I could preach for an hour. Sometimes I'll have 40 words on a page and I just preach for 10 minutes. Like you just never know what it is, but it's a connection point. So uh, I did my, my retirement speech the same way. Um, but legacy was that word that stuck in me. And I really got down to what the core of that means. And for me, legacy is this, preparing people to go further than I did in everything that I do. In parenting, I hope I'm preparing my kids to be more successful, to grow in areas that I did. Uh, in, in the military, I told those young men and women that day as I retired, I want you to, as I walk out here, I want you to step on my shoulders and go beyond me. Our legacy should never be to have people aspire to be us because that is so limiting. Like mm. the world evolves, the world grows. Why would we want to constrict a bunch of people just to get in as far as we did? Because the only way we got here is made mistakes, fall short in some areas, pick back up and move again. That's the broken part of the, the older gen, uh, mindset is I had to walk uphill in the snow two miles in my underwear. So you should have to do the same. Why is that? Why, if you learned that sucked, why don't you toss me the keys to the car and say, don't walk it here. <laughs> you'll get there faster and you'll realize you can do more when you get there. Oh man, that's so true. That is so true. It's that, that's it's that short, the youth. it's that short minded mentality. And like, we have to think bigger and we have to, you know, put it out. That's why I think like, even with school systems, this is the more innovative the school is, the more impactful it is on the kids. And that yeah. means by just really just going outside the box, not staying in this straight and narrow thing. It's just like, hey, what's outside the box? You know, why do we have to define ourselves by a ceiling? You know, I think it was said at the conference a couple of times is like, you know, you know, if we have a ceiling that's 10 feet tall that we can't go any farther. But why does the ceiling have to be 10 feet? Why can't it be unstoppable? I use this analogy with my with with me is, is I'm building a roller coaster right now. OK. And, you know, I'm just waiting to get up to the top and it's tick, 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 tick. And I told you this the other day. And as soon as it gets to the top, you know, that's when heaven, that's how you're, you've made it and you, you get to see God. And that's the most powerful thing in the world because that's the biggest ride of them all, you know. Yeah. But guess what? It takes time. 
We have to stop. We have to do maintenance on the, the roller coaster. We have to fix it. We have to make sure it's working right. We have to bring people on the roller coaster. I mean, that is what life's about. We need to bring people. We need to empower people. That's and it. that's what the key is. And, and you really have to think it. Legacy goes with two L words because it's going to be one or the other. Is your legacy being a lid or is your legacy being a launch pad? Wow. Jesus said, I... There will be men who and men and women who come after me that will do things greater than me in my name. Mm. Ryan Austin, you are preparing young men and women to do greater things than you. And when they get there, they're going to say, you know why I got here? Because there was a Ryan Austin in my life that helped me walk through some life who told me, don't make this mistake because he had already made it. And it prepared me to go higher, faster, because I didn't have to fall in the same area, same area as he did. Man, that's good. That is really good. So I got I got two more things and we're going to wrap this up. It's already 50 minutes and I, I know you got a precious time. So I got to make sure I keep this to a minimum. But the next one's pretty, pretty cool. I actually just found this and it says it's your mother's words. OK, so it says Anthony's been my entertainment most of my life and his mama's rock. Yeah. Tell me what your mother has meant to you. Um. Man, I love my mama. She's always been, uh, it's funny. I, you, you've been around me any amount of time. You know, I, I'm a crack, I'm a joke and crack up. <laughs> um, growing up, that was me. Uh, I, I love to be the center of attention in the room, making everybody laugh, bringing joy. My mom was always my biggest fan. Uh, my dad would sometimes just, boy, can you be serious for five minutes? <laughs> My mama always laughed at me. And my dad used to say this all the time. He's never going to stop if you keep laughing at him. <laughs> um, she's been my biggest supporter in, in ministry as God and going to the Navy, always being there, just so proud of me. Um, but as a woman in, in her life who has struggled um, to receive love in some moments, one of the things she always made sure of was her kids were seen and they were loved. There was never a moment I walked out of my home that I didn't know without a shadow of a doubt that my mama loved me. And it that prepared me for everything. If, if there was anything else in this world, I knew I had somebody on my side, somebody who loved me. So for her to call me her rock, I can only be that because she was mine. Man, that's amazing. You know, I mean, you know what my mom means to me. So it's like, it's one of those things that like your mom is the rock yeah. you know it's just it's just it's one of those things that she she held you together my mom held me together you know it's just one of those powerful things and my mom is a number one fan you know she's always been my number one fan so it's always good to do that and i want to end this uh you know obviously with a couple things but first and foremost i want to end it with a quote and i really just thought this this was a very good quote especially to the, the circumstances it says you never lose by loving you always lose by holding others back, you know, and it's like, listen, you, you just, you gotta just pour into people. You gotta love people, you know, and if you love people, man, man, just watch out where they go. You know, all it takes is that one little, you know, just that one little nick that can put somebody over the edge and say, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be that person and I'm going to be that legacy. I'm going to be that, you know, person that goes out and just pours into people and then watch what happens. If we, it's, it, it's almost the mentality of if, if just everybody gave a dollar to a charity, what it could do. Well, what if everybody said, I love you every day to somebody, 
Yes. You understand what an impact that would make on this world. Yes. That's what we need to start doing as individuals. And and I and I must have heard I love you a hundred times in the conference. So when I came back from that conference, I was yearning to be loved. I wanted people to love me. And that's what I'm saying. Well, if we can make an impact like that at that conference, we need to go out as individuals and have that impact every single day. And when I came back and I poured into my staff and I said, listen, we are going to be a a staff of God in here. We are going to, and I preached at them and, you know, and I said, listen, you guys can, you guys can either love it or hate it, but I'm telling you right now, I love you. And that, and that's coming from my heart. Yeah. So if you don't agree with it, I just love you guys. You know, love is one of the fruits of the spirit. And I, I said this at the conference, but I truly believe this. One of the easiest God principles to understand is you will reap what you sow. Whatever you plant, you're going to get back. Mm. You go plant uh, a rose seed, you're going to get a rose bush. You're not going to walk out and be like, where did these daisies come from? Like, it's no surprise. Whatever you plant, you are going to get back. And so many times we expect love without giving love. Mm. But if you start changing what you, the way you approach things, if you take love wherever you go and start planting it, it's a fruit. It's a fruit of the spirit. If you plant the seeds of it, it's going to grow. Um, and the hard part is sometimes we plant it. Like, let's say you're in a damaging relationship with a spouse. I always tell that if I have access to one and not both, I say, you just have to go love them. But you don't know what they've done to me. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of you loving who God sees them as. You mm. seeing through their mess and their mistake and loving that. Now, the hard problem is they may never change. But are you loving that person depending on receiving love back from them? Or are you loving them knowing that when you plant that seed, God will return love to you in some manner or another? If that person can't give it to you, I've seen it so many times. If that person can't give it to you, you're going to receive it from someone unexpectedly probably to a level you didn't even imagine because you expected a little bit of love from that person. But when they're incapable of giving it back to you, watch how somebody else just heaps it on you. Like, Oh my gosh, I needed that. And I got it. I found it so many times that when I expect somebody to, to give me validation or whatever it is, and I sit there and I struggle, I almost become angry at them because they're not giving me what I need. But it's in that, in that moment that, often all, all the time somebody comes along and gives me exactly what I need and I realize that I'd become hard-hearted towards somebody expecting something them from them that they could not give me. But if it's something I needed, God always gave it to me. And so. it, it's funny you say that because I put in my next thing water seeds. If it's not growing, you just need to water it more. That's, That's all good. it is. I've even learned this and I'll use I'll share this and it's kind of be the um, you know in church God speaks to me kind of in a visually way, like I'm a visual learner. And uh, as we were kind of stepping out of the church, we and stepping into ministry of what this looked like, relationship with the session, and even coming back into a church now, I saw this farmer out in the middle of a field. And we always call, and the Bible refers to it as the, the Bible, the word of God is the seed. And I saw this farmer out in the middle of this dry, dusty field, and he's got a seed and he's plowing at the dirt with, dirt with it. He's digging up. And if you sit there and you scratch long enough, eventually you get just enough dirt and you can drop that seed in it and you pile the dirt up and then you water it. And you know what? Eventually something's going to grow there because you're taking care of that little bit. 
But the hard part is the moment that the windstorm came through, that little tuft of dirt with the things sprouted out of it was blown away and was gone because there was no roots. There was no deep dirt, fertile dirt for it to be planted in. And it really opened my eyes in ministry that we stand on platforms, we stand in life and we preach at people and we tell them how wrong they are. If you change this, we effectively plow them with the word. You're wrong. You're going to hell. You're, you need to do this. And in that moment, we dig up a little dirt and we drop this seed in. And then we just walk away proud of ourselves because we see a little sprout. But I just felt God say, it's time to do relationship with people. Mm, that's don't good. preach at them. Don't throw the word at them if they're not in a posture to receive it. You don't plant seeds in a dry, dusty field. You have to posture it to receive the seed, to prepare it. Sometimes relationship is the plow. It's us walking through life with people and them trusting us enough to pick up a stone in their field and say, this isn't helpful. Let's get rid of it. Wow. Or taking that same stone and putting it in their pouch because that may be the very weapon they defeat their giant with down the road. Wow. But it's in that moment of walking through and them trusting you enough with their field to begin to speak life into and plow it, that then it's in that moment that they trust you enough, they open that deepest, darkest, most fertile secret that's been holding them back. That's when you deposit the word and you cover it up in the, with them and you say, it's okay. I'm here and I'm going to take care of it. And I'm going to water it and I'm going to speak life into that place that's been broke. I'm going to speak life in that place where you've been hurt or held back. This is not who you are. And out of this place of hurt and brokenness, watch the life that's going to burst from it. And you water it and you take care of it. And when that thing burst up from the ground, it says nothing about you, but it empowers that broken, hurt person to realize that there is life where they only saw death. Boom. Wow. Here we go. <laughs> Man, I, hey, I want to first and foremost thank you for taking the time. I mean, it literally is an hour exactly. And I, dude, I love you, brother, man. I, I just, I, I feel like we're going to do a lot more things together. I feel like there's a the, the, the journey that we're both going to be on. You know, I mean, I watched your Sunday service on Sunday and I watched it again. Dude, I, I think I'm going to put the link in here so everybody can follow you guys. But I think you, uh, you definitely are a very blessed, blessed human being. And I just appreciate you being a friend. You know, and I appreciate that. So, Anthony, thank you very much for your time. Uh, if you want to hold on, we'll talk for a few minutes. But we're gonna we're gonna end with the uh, my intro. So I appreciate you. Thank you very much. You are a blessing to so many. I love you. In just a short amount of time, we have been together. We have become connected deeper than we know. I think. Uh, I can't wait. Like I said at the conference, we are blessed to bless. Mm. I love it. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon, brother.